Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today. Today I want to talk about covert contracts. So what is a covert contract? A covert contract is kind of like the secret version of an overt contract. An overt contract is just an agreement between two parties that's well known. Maybe it's written down, maybe, you know, it's spoken at the very least, like a verbal agreement. And we're used to these kinds of things. You know, you get a job, you will sign an employment contract. It is very clear, you know, you do these jobs, you give us your time and we will give you this much money in return. Or maybe you buy a property and now the city gets you to sign a form that says that you own this property and there's a clear set of rules. Well, here's what you're allowed to do with your property. Here's what you're not allowed to do with your property. Um, the city doesn't really leave a lot up to the imagination on what you're allowed to do with that property. Like for example, building codes. You can't just go and build whatever you want on a property in most places anyway, at least where I live in Canada, you know, you gotta get a building permit. You know, even buying something online is an overt contract. I want this product, I will give you this much money for it. And then there's a bunch of terms and conditions that you agree to when you purchase, right? And then they send you the product. If you don't like it, you know, there's a return period. I mean, all these things are predefined. And of course, these kinds of things can exist in relationships as well. And I would say a healthy relationship has more overt contracts than covert ones, or ideally, you know, only overt contracts and is eliminating covert contracts. So it would be an example of an overt contract in a relationship. You know, maybe two people uh, agree. They're like, well, I'm really good at making food. So how about I'll make the food and you clean up. That's an overt contract because it's spoken and agreed upon. So there's no room for hard feelings. You know, there's no room for amb ambiguity. If the person cooks, and then just silently wants the person to clean up and kind of expects them to or is hoping or kind of has this secret agreement in their head like, well, if I cook, that person should clean up. So if I do a really good job at cooking, that means that they will do this for me. If that is unspoken, that's a covert contract. So covert contracts, you know, they're based on these assumptions. It's, it's an assumption that we're all on the same page, so we don't really need to talk about it. And it's kind of an immature way to look at people in relationships. Um, everybody's kind of got these different rules going on inside their head. Everybody has a slightly different version of common sense. And if you're somewhat naive and think everybody has the same common sense, then you're gonna walk around being quite offended a lot of the time because you're like, why aren't people you know, doing these obvious things? So the reason why covert contracts are so damaging, and I'll go more into this in a bit, but they often lead to hurt feelings. They often lead to this type of relationship conflict where all of a sudden these things come out eventually, but it's in this like fit of anger, right? Because somebody's expectations haven't been met or there's been something that's happened and it's all based on these assumptions. Um, another damaging thing that can happen with covert contracts is people start to try to like even the scales with these covert methods and then they become somewhat manipulative. And so covert contracts can sort of breed manipulation in relationships. I'll go more into that in a little bit. Hey there, so this is Clay from the future. As I was editing this video, I realized that maybe I had painted a picture that covert contracts are only happening to like toxic people, which of course is not true. These things happen to everybody. Everybody has some level of covert contracts. 
And that's why I think it's important to talk about so we can identify these things and hopefully eliminate them from our lives or convert them into overt contracts. Of course, really toxic people will have these to an extreme degree, but even a normal healthy person will have some amount of covert contract that they need to work on. So just wanted to mention that. Let's get back to the video. So one book that I read quite some time ago, maybe five or six years ago, that was quite good in this area uh, was No More Mr. Nice Guy. It's not just for men. It's called No More Mr. Nice Guy. But to be honest, like I've actually recommended that book to many women as well. I, I kind of wish the title was more gender inclusive because it's not just for men. It's for anybody that struggles with these types of things. It's really good for recovering people pleasers. And unfortunately, people pleaser types sometimes have these covert contracts. So in this book, there are sort of three key examples of how these covert contracts can come up. So the first one is, if I'm a good person, then I'll be liked and loved. So if we kind of decide on our own what a good person means, and then we do that, and we expect the people in our lives to recognize that, love us, accept us, and like us, simply because we're doing what we think creates a good person. So this can take more of an extreme turn as well. It could be like, well, if I'm a good man, then women will want to have sex with me. Which of course we know is entirely not true. People are attracted to what they're attracted to. And just because you are a good person means nothing in that area, right? You'll see this a lot in kind of this certain type of men, you know, especially men that complain about getting friend zoned, right? They're like, well, I'm a good person. I'm a good man. Why are these women? you know, not rewarding me with what I want. Another one that he mentions is this. If I meet everyone else's needs without them having to ask, then they will meet my needs without me having to ask. So what does this come down to? This comes down to, I don't want to express my needs and wants. I kind of want people to read my mind and give it to me. So I think the type of people that struggle with this are people that aren't super direct. They have wants and needs, but they don't know how to ask for it. So they kind of just assume things and hope that other people are going to fulfill their needs. You'll see this a lot in, you know, even though this came from the nice guys book, you'll see this a lot in mothers, I think, more, more than anything. You know, there's a lot of mothers out there that are like, if I'm a good mother, if I treat my kids right, if I do everything for them, I do everything that society expects me to do as a mother, then my kids will love me, cherish me, respect me. But we all know, it's not that simple, right? You might do all those things and your kids might still rebel. They might still treat you poorly. So that's one of the things about these covert contracts is that sometimes they kind of backfire on people and then they're so surprised right? So the third one he talks about is, if I do everything right, then I will have a smooth, problem-free life, right? It's almost like this fairness thing that comes out. And I, I know people like this. I know one person in particular. It's this idea that I'm going to do the right thing and then the universe like owes me something in return. I think that's, you know, it's one of the dangers about this believe and achieve thing that you see a lot in culture, you know, if if you just believe it enough, you know, the universe will grant you. Or, you know, another version of that might be, if I pray hard enough for this thing, I will get it. I mean, this sort of transcends a number of different philosophies and religious philosophies. And then later, when the people don't get it, they're quite upset. They're like, this isn't fair. I 
acted the right way. I did the right things and I didn't get it. The reality is the world isn't very fair. And so you can't expect it to be. This covert contract kind of expects fairness. And if you don't get it, there's this hurt, hurt that rises up, right? I mean, the funny thing in my opinion is life is almost the opposite of that. The people that are successful often aren't the nicest people, right? If you are a low-grade sociopath or a narcissist, usually those people can get what they want. They can manipulate others. They can get people to do stuff and all of a sudden they can get quite successful. I mean, they say one out of a hundred people could be a psychopath. You know, it's a spectrum, right? From low all the way to high. Uh, I think a lot of people, when they think psychopath, they think of, you know, serial killers, but it's not true. Um, psychopaths, low-grade psychopaths, can actually be quite successful. They can be lawyers and politicians and CEOs and these types of things. So it's not necessarily if you act good, you will be successful. That's not to say that if you are good, you can't be successful. But what I'm trying to say is you can't expect it just because you are good. Let me just quickly go through a couple more examples that you might see in relationships. You know, one might be if I'm financially supporting us, the family, I kind of expect you to make me a nice meal each night. I expect when I come home from work, there's a meal on the table. You know, this is the kind of thing that kind of that traditional man kind of attitude you know, there might be, they might expect it, but of course they might not say it because it's not very popular to say such a thing. But if they have that hope, that expectation, it's gonna come out in other ways. There'll be this disappointment if that isn't met. Maybe one person gave up their career to support the other person's career. Maybe they had to move to another city and you know, this one person had to quit their job and now they're in a different city to and there's this expectation, well, you know, what's that payback going to be? And there might be these this resentment and hurt feelings as this person sort of expects a certain type of behavior for that sacrifice they made. Another one that you might see in culture, like a dating scenario would be like, well, if I buy you dinner, you will have sex with me or you will want to have sex with me, which of course is ridiculous. The cost of a dinner it's not like this is like a prostitution type thing where the cost of a dinner buys you sex. It's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous thing to assume, but it does seem like there are people out there that kind of feel that way, right? You hear about this now and then, like these men don't get sex and then they get all upset and mad. Why are they doing that? Covert contract. You might see it in gifts. Actually, you'll frequently see it in gifts. A gift is something that should be freely given with no strings attached. But a lot of people give gifts with the expectation of getting something in return. I would argue that's not a gift. Uh, that, that's, that's, well, it's a covert contract, right? It's like, I spent $100 on you, and if you don't spend $100 on me or give, give me something equally as thoughtful as what I gave you, then I'm gonna be butthurt. So here's another example in a work environment. It might be, if I work really hard or I do the right things at work, they will reward me, maybe with a promotion or they will give me a raise or they will pay me what I think I'm worth. And so some jobs are like that. They're, they're gonna reward you, right? But other jobs might not. And you know the ultimate irony of jobs is if you do too good of a job, 
it might actually harm you. I'm not sure if you've ever heard about this, but you know, like what about the scenario that you do the work of two people in a job and you become so valuable, you're like a linchpin. A linchpin is sort of like a, a really essential piece of some maybe moving machine or something like that. And if you remove this linchpin, the whole thing falls apart. If you insert yourself as a linchpin, true, you might have job security because they can't really get rid of you, but they might not also be able to promote you either because who's gonna do that job if you can't? So the point is to say that you can't assume just because you do a really good job, you will get what you want, AKA a promotion. You might actually be too valuable to promote. The, the overt version of that contract would be to have a conversation with your boss and say, this is the path that I want. Can we make some kind of an agreement, some kind of you know, goals to hit or some kind of performance metrics that if I hit these things, I will get this much more money or I will be promoted or you know, I'm, I'm on the path to going towards this other position that I really want. That would be the overt way to deal with that. The more covert person who can't express their wants and needs just hopes these things, right? Or it's not even that they hope it, they just expect it because it's obvious, right? They, they think that everybody sees the obviousness of the situation when it's not really obvious. So let's talk a little bit about sort of the aftermath of covert contracts. I was listening to Andrew Huberman and Lex Friedman recently. So Huberman was on Lex Friedman's podcast and he was talking about covert contracts. And it's interesting because he was talking about covert contracts almost as the same thing as manipulation. And I was thinking about that because it was a little different, maybe his definition of covert contracts than what mine was. But I think the reality is, is he was more talking about the aftermath of a covert contract. And the aftermath of a covert contract often is manipulation. So here's a person, they have these expectations, they're not met. Now they have hurt feelings and they might just like freak out. So that's, that's one sort of way it might be expressed. But another way it might be expressed is it's this underhanded sort of anger or annoyance. And it's like, this person doesn't get me. And it's like this toxicity that builds, right? And this person, especially if it's a type of person who's very non-confrontational, a very confrontational person might just bring this up and be all upset. But a non-confrontational person, that, that's the thing is that they're they're not confrontational, so they, they won't want to bring it up at all. But they still have that need and want. And now they have this sort of festering annoyance or they feel unappreciated. And so it comes out in manipulative ways. So an example, going back to work, really subtle example might be, oh, this company doesn't appreciate me. I'm gonna, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not getting paid enough. You know, I'm working eight hours, but you know, they're only paying me for the, the equivalent of five. So then that person maybe slacks off for three hours a day. But it's done in a way that's more intentional and targeted that I'm taking something back from this company. Or maybe they find a way to take something else from the company. You know, they're the type of person who's like stealing stationery or they're stealing other things from the company to kind of try to even the balance, right? Or sweeten the deal of this, this contract that they don't like. This can also happen in overt contracts if the person can't communicate the fact that they don't like the overt contract. So they might've taken the job, they agreed to work this many hours for this much money, but in the back of their mind, they're going, uh, 
I don't really like this deal. You know, and now they might start to take things to try to sweeten that deal a little bit. So obviously this can happen in relationships in all kinds of different ways. It's like this sort of underlying festering that starts and it's like a virus that kind of just eats away at the relationship. You know, it's like, oh, he left his shoes out again and then you put them back, right, in the right spot, hoping that he will realize that shoes don't go there, they go over there. Instead of just saying, you know, it would really help me out if you, when you came in the door, if you put your shoes over there. So simple, right? That would be an overt contract as long as the person agreed to it. Then in the future, if they break that contract, you at least can say, hey, remember you agreed to put your shoes over there and now you're not doing it. But in a covert contract, it's like they don't want to verbalize that. They don't want to communicate that need or that want for neatness in the, by the front door. So then they put them back and they put them back. And then over time, it's like just starts to build. And then, you know, and if you get 10, 20, 30 of these things, you know, all building all at once, it's like all of a sudden this person's just really annoying you in all these ways, but maybe they don't even know it. They don't understand why the relationship fell apart because you are not speaking up and verbalizing, communicating your actual wants and needs. So just to finish things up here, I want to talk a little bit more about the type of person who often resorts to covert contracts. And I have a feeling it's people who are a little bit codependent, people pleasers, right? There's kind of two words for the same thing. It's like a person who derives their happiness from the well-being of other people. And it's almost like they sacrifice themselves in order to make other people happy. The problem is, is that they often don't do the right things. It's, it might be these covert contracts under the surface and they're like, oh, well, if I do these things for this person, then they will reciprocate and love me. And then the love doesn't come and they're confused or they're hurt because they're, they're putting all their energy into it, but it's not working. And why are they doing this? I have a bucket that needs to be filled. And if it's empty, I feel like something's missing. How am I going to get that bucket filled? You can go about it in more overt ways. I have a want, I have a need. Okay, I'm going to ask for that thing. I'm going to ask for help. There's something I really want in this relationship. I'm going to make this person aware of it so they have the opportunity to consciously give it to me and not just this you know, this, this covert contract. So then in these more direct ways, you can get your needs met. I think the problem is, is that sometimes these people might not even know what they want. They might not know what they need. And a lot of times if they're living with maybe toxic people, it's almost like they've lost track of their wants and needs. And their wants and needs are just like, I just want some peace. I just want this person to be okay because when they're not okay, I get punished. And so I know somebody that's kind of stuck in this codependent cycle. And it was, it was an interesting epiphany for me just recently because it's almost like this person didn't know what they wanted apart from their partner and apart from their partner's wants. And I'm like, well, maybe you should try to look inside yourself and find what you want. What, what do you need? 
And then you can communicate that and try to get those things that fulfill you as a person and not just trying to fulfill this other person all the time, you know, in hopes of building them up to make your life better, which is the definition of codependency. And this person looked at me and almost seemed confused by the question. It's almost like they couldn't say what they wanted or say what they needed. There is this nice guy syndrome, right? It's sort of like, well, I don't want to be one of those bad men because they were always talking about bad men in the media, in culture, um, in feminism. There's this idea of the toxic man, of the bad man. And so some people are so scared of being labeled as that that they kind of push to the other direction and they want to be that good man. And so they can't even express their wants and needs because that sounds that sounds like a bad man. That sounds like one of those selfish men, right? That, that's, you know, taking things from people. But the truth is, if you're kind of caught up in that, you need to be able to express your wants and needs because it's very toxic if you can't. You need to be able to look inside yourself and be like, what do I want? What do I need? So I think this actually can happen in a lot of religious contexts as well, or any type of community where there's this like really strict code of conduct of how you're supposed to behave. And if a person is behaving, and they're trying to meet that code of contact, but doesn't feel natural to them. I think that's possibly one way that people can get used to not communicating their, communicating their wants and needs because they're actually ashamed of those wants and needs. So as a recap here, my recommendation is don't be ashamed of yourself. There's nothing, there's nothing shameful about you. You have certain wants, you have certain needs, you are a human being. My advice would be to analyze yourself and Find out what those are and prioritize them. And if there's anything that you're scared to talk about, if there's anything you're scared to verbalize in your relationships, like maybe, you know, I think this can come out in a lot of sexual ways. I think there's a lot of people who are unfulfilled sexually in their relationships. There might be something that they really want to do or they want done to them, but they feel ashamed of it. They can't, they can't mention it because they feel embarrassed. Like they don't want to be seen as some kind of sexual deviant. My advice is figure those things out and ask for them. There's nothing wrong with you, okay? I'm, gonna, I'm here to say there's nothing wrong with you. And apart from, you know, damaging urges or things that harm people, things that hurt people, I think, you know, that's the exception to this. I am not condoning, you know, if you have a want to hurt somebody, that is, I am not encouraging you to do that. But anything that is safe, anything that is consensual, that's fine. If you find the right person who consents to that, right? And how do you do that? How do you ask for these types of things? Communication. You have to verbalize it. And I realize that's scary for a lot of people. And that's why these covert contracts are created. Anyway, thanks for joining me today. I hope you got something out of it. If you have any questions, you can put them in the comments, or I also have audio questions. I'll put a link, even though I've been neglecting it a little bit lately, but now and then I'll go back to them. Thanks for joining me. I hope you are now better equipped to recognize these corporate contracts and other people as well as yourself, and hopefully try to start eliminating them out of your relationships. Have a good day. See ya.